Welcome to Life on Earth podcast. I am Natalie Kra, your host. This episode is brought to you by Shanti Yoga Training School. At ShantiYogaTrainingSchool.com, you will find the many programs we offer both in person and online. Plus, check out our membership program and our books, Living Life in Light and the Light Code Planner. This episode is a conversation with my partner, John Strickler, first time on Life on Earth. In this episode, we explore the topic of nonviolence. Here, we discuss the many nuances of ahimsa. This is a casual, intimate talk, which typically happens at the end of a long day on our porch. Enjoy. Welcome to Life on Earth, The Peace Project, a podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace, and global equality, one earthling at a time. Hi, John. I'm and excited up. to have this conversation with you. Me too. We are covering Ahimsa today, and Ahimsa means nonviolence, or at least is the translation that's the most well-known. So what is Ahimsa in today's world from a yogi's perspective? And furthermore, from my perspective and from your perspective, John, because one thing that I have learned a lot is that everyone has their own perspective. And even in something like the yoga philosophy, the yoga sutras, or it could be any other philosophy that somebody follows, I think that I have seen different perspectives of everything, which is actually what makes it really interesting. With that said, even yoga, I think a lot of us, one thing is that we have to be very mindful to not be righteous, if that's the word. Is that what you say? Like, Well, I'm not sure what you're, what right, you're trying right, to mean Like, I feel like you're super right about something. Righteousness. Yeah, I mean, the righteous What's, to me kind of means like, you're in the right and everybody else is wrong. Exactly. Because yoga is so popular and millions of people practice it. I don't even know how many anymore, maybe even like a billion. And yet, if you really look back, I for one follow, I don't know how many yoga, I hesitate nowadays because you'll say something and somebody says, well, that's not the yoga I follow. Well, for me, one of the most important books in my philosophy of yoga is the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And that book in itself has so many different translations. And anytime Sanskrit, which is a very ancient language, gets translated, somehow it can be lost in translation. And also it depends on who translated through the lenses of that individual, that human being, is sort of gets defined by that perspective. So today, I wanted to set this tone first because I wanted to, I know a lot of yogis listen to this podcast, and I really wanted to people to understand that this is John and I talking about something and how we feel about it and how we view it. And again, there's, I don't think there's really a right or wrong. If other people are here with us right now, I would welcome to express their own opinions and their own visions. But for you, John, with all that said, what does ahimsa or when you think about nonviolence on a general context, and I really want to explore different 
levels and different nuances of it. But what does that mean to you? Well, okay, nonviolence, you can be. The first thing that comes to mind is like nonviolence toward other people or animals or the earth, right? Nonviolence toward yourself. Treat yourself right. Honor what's right for you. Nonviolence is a pretty simple thing to understand for me, right? So when you say nonviolence, let's start with that, like the earth, maybe planet earth. Planet earth is our home, is the one we have, is the one we live in. What does that mean to you when I say nonviolence on earth? What is your interpretation of that? Don't trash the planet. I know that's a big one for you because you don't really pl- don't, don't like the trash. Air. You don't like trash like at all. No, it's disgusting. You pick up trash every time you see it. it drives me nuts. Even though I, I'm totally in alignment, but you always pick up trash. That's gross. I mean, I pick up trash in my yard. I pick up trash in the water. In on the, the river street. when we're out on the boat. I mean, basically, the whole earth is your home, right? That's yes. the way I see it. So if you see some trash or something out of place or something's going on wrong mm-hmm. somewhere, it's your responsibility to pick up the trash. To say, hey, this is not right. If you see some kind of abusive situation, you see somebody abusing a child, you're not going to sit around and say, I'm cool with that, right? right. Or whatever kind of, it's the same thing. Pick up the trash. That's a very good point. Speak up for kids. Speak up for animals. Yeah, so you're saying like if you see a child being abused or if, or if you see an animal too, right? Like if you see something that happens to a cat or a dog, it's your duty as an earth citizen as a John, an inhabitant of John's body. As a, as a, as <laughs> as a, a human as being. As a human with a conscience. With a consciousness to right? act on it. To do something about it. I love that. So what I want to do, I have in my book, Living Life in Light, I have a very brief passage on Ahimsa. And I think that this will be really nice because it will touch on some of the different aspects of Ahimsa in yoga philosophy. So Here's what I have on page 21 for those of you who have the book, Living Life in Light. The yamas, the first of the eight limbs of yoga, invites us to take a look at ourselves first and foremost to awake the divine within. And then I'm going to ask you some commentaries on this reading. So Ahimsa, the first of the five yamas, means nonviolence and non-harming. All of the other yamas and niyamas and six other limbs are based upon ahimsa, nonviolence. Ahimsa always comes first, from the physical to the emotional to the mental. As a yogi, we are asked to approach each and every situation with a loving heart. The heart of yoga teaches that we are all equal and that we are one. There is no separation. So when we talk about we are one, there really is no separation. Everything that happens to someone else is happening to you. So as you know, there is a collective consciousness. And I think that it's like a snowball or one thing leads to another type of thing. So kind of like when the butterfly flaps its wings, it affects the whole ecosystem in a way. So I think that it would be really blind for us to think and really limiting for us to think that if someone is suffering and just because you don't want to look at it or don't want to address it, don't want to think about it, that you're shutting yourself off because you have the comfort of your home, maybe you're even in another country and that's not going to affect you. 
Well, in my perspective, that is completely wrong because somehow it does infiltrate into the collective consciousness, which you are connected because we are all connected. So it will affect you. When we see another suffering, we should extend our hands. This is the yogi concept. We move through this life in awareness and presence of mind, body, and spirit, taking care of our planet each day, like you were saying, making choices which support our chosen path of yoga. It is often said that the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. So be mindful, have awareness, presence. Gandhi was a great example of compassion, empathy, and non-harming. Embrace love. Learn to love deeply. Show respect to all life on earth. Reach when others withdraw. Like you are saying, it is our duty to step up. When you look around and everything you see is love, when you see yourself in everything and in all beings, violence disappears. Because... This is what I think. Even if you're in a moment of rage or you're in a moment of, you know, you're feeling violent in some kind of level of violence. If you look at the other person in the eye or the other being, like how could you do anything if you really see the life form and how precious it is and if you think that is as precious as yours? Which then brings me to this concept, self-love. And I've learned this in yoga too, that if you don't love yourself, really, it's going to be very challenging to love another. What do you think about that concept? Because we talk a lot in yoga about self-love. Did you learn that from a very early age? Or is that something that like over the years you kind of started grasping? I wouldn't say that self-love was something that, maybe not in those words, right? But I was told, like, hey, be proud of yourself. Be a good person. And I'll kind of to me, it translates to loving yourself. But the concept is like self-love was, yeah, probably something that came along later in life. But if you don't have love for yourself, you're not going to be able to give it. Like you can't give something that you don't have. So how did you learn that? That's what I'm curious. Like when did you ever have like an aha moment about no, that? No. No? But you know that. It, it was well, like always in you? Well, because I, I feel like I had to learn that. I felt like I had, a, you know, one day, oh, my God, I get it. But, like, it wasn't like… Well, I think it's a process. Either. I can only speak from my personal experience, right? So, right. as can anybody else. So, I've struggled with loving myself completely all the time. It's a process, right? I don't know if I'll ever get to the place where, oh, my God, you know, I'm just, I love myself so much. And walk through every day like that. Maybe I'll get there, but that's not something I'm but striving you honor for every yourself. day. You honor yourself. Most of the time. Sometimes yeah. I don't. Sometimes I wouldn't even say it's something I'm like consciously working on, right? So I feel like I work on myself a pretty good bit. You really do. And I'm here to say I witnessed that. I mean, I think both you and I, we work on ourselves. I mean, that's just the truth. Yeah, I want to grow. I want to get better as a human. I want to get better as a just all around. I don't want to be the same person. A year from now, as I was today. I don't either. I'm so happy to hear you say that. I was thinking about that earlier today. I was like, growth for me is super important. Mm-hmm. I want to be a different person. Like, you're always the same person, but I know what you mean. No, you're not. Growing. I don't think so. No? I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Right, but the essence of who you are, I think it's there. But then there's a growth to it. We're saying the same thing. It's indifferent. Yeah, it's just a process. You know, I think most things in life are a process. It's not like, uh, 
you wake up one day and you're you, you hit enlightenment like that, right? You snap your fingers like you've been doing all this work, and I mean maybe it is, but for me, like Yogananda, did he hit enlightenment like that? I think his guru helped him out, and he, yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. If you listen to the book, yeah, yeah. that's what happened. Like he, I read the book. You read the read, book. Yeah, he was kind of helped along, which I think everybody is kind of being helped along. Right? You mean like the transmission? Yeah. Okay, so you mean like he was helped along in terms of like the transmission? Well, he had in his mind a vision for what he was going to do, right? Maybe not starting out, but he knew like in his heart, like, okay, this is what I'm here to do. And some people are born with that. Like, I think you were maybe not born with it, but you figure that out at an early I age. was born with it. I'm just going to say. <laughs> okay. Like, you know. I know this like sounds really weird. It's weird. Like, I was born with it. Mm. But anyways, go ahead. Well, yeah, some people, they know their dharma. Yeah. Like you do. Other people, like me, like, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> like, I got to try all these different things to, like, figure it out. But it's also kind of cool because it's an inquiry and it's a process of inquiry that I think in many ways it's like an adventure. It's like your life adventure, which could be really fantastic. Yeah, but I could also have an adventure like knowing, you know, I'm going to be a a freaking race car driver or something. But if you connect to your heart space, Mm -hmm. you have those moments that you're like, that's exactly, I'm in alignment 100% with this situation or that or you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. But as far as like, this is going to be what I'm going to dedicate my life to. Okay. But here's another thought. You talked about like some people who they have a Dharma and they're like, well, I think everybody has one. Okay. But my point is, okay, Yogananda, or you talked about me and they have something that they're really like focus on. So in yoga, we could also say, oh my God, that Dharana, that Drishti, that ultra focus, whatever you want to call it. But I also think there's some other people that have like many different purposes and like a variety of things that they're simultaneously accomplishing Mm -hmm. and they're accomplishing them very well. Like they don't necessarily have like that one thing kind of like you're talking about. But it could be like a meta thing. Like, okay, maybe the thing is like doing everything great. That's what I'm saying. That is really good. And you actually always bring that very well-known quote into my life. From Steve Jobs, which is? Make it great. Make it great. So, listeners, this is our bird on the background, but we are happy to be recording with Mr. Milo on the background today. I know we're completely sidetracking, but we took Milo on a boat ride, and he's so cool. I think that we have to be open-minded to also not think that there's only one way. Because one could go through many different things in life and dedicate themselves to different situations and different jobs and different drives that just takes them, moves them, and shapes them. And it doesn't have to be like one thing. Yeah. Joseph Campbell said, like, follow your bliss, right? So that's a pretty good North Star. You know, if you want to say, I love doing this, then do that, right? As much as you can. If you live in the world today, then you gotta have things that you gotta take care of. You gotta make your money. You gotta have a place to live. You know, it's your choice how much you wanna take on or not. Well, but also a lot of people are responsible for other beings. But that's their choice. That, like, it's our choice to have 13 animals on this house. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm bringing that to mind. People have animals or they have children or there's many things. Some people care for their parents. Some people care for their spouses. Some right. people care for their children, their children's education. I mean, you know. Yeah, I shouldn't say it's your choice, but once you make that choice, it is then your responsibility. Yes, if you make that choice, then it's your duty. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Some people are blessed to be able to do the thing they love and it also makes them money, okay? I always wanted to be like Jimi Hendrix when I was growing up. If I could have picked that. <laughs> you wanted to be Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs> I love it. I'm laughing because I love it. Like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Jimmy Hendrix. That's so cool. Well, You're like too cool I, for school. I wanted to be able to play guitar like Jimmy Hendrix, right? Yes. I wanted to be able to pick it up and just close my eyes and just like this magic come out of my hands and then the guitar, right? And that's what I wanted for me. And I'm still working on it. Well, I'm not going to say it's you, not going to happen. You practice the guitar at least four or five times a week. You're doing a great job. But anyways, what's your point? That that's some people's like God-given. It's so obvious. Like if Jimi Hendrix would have ended up working in a factory or something, how different would the world be? I understand what you're saying. And how, how many of those situations are there going on in the world right now? Mm-hmm. But to play devil's advocate, I am saying but maybe another perspective would be there's that kind of individual, and then there's an individual that's just not wired like that. But it's also following their dharma, whatever you want to call it, in your own belief system. I call it dharma. You do too, John. But, you know, people listening could be calling it something else. I'm not attached to how you call it. And I also have to disclaimer, full transparency here. I use a lot of the yoga context because literally I grew up in this tradition and I grew up with it and I identify with it and I love it. For me, it serves as a catalyst. It serves as an archetype. Is it because I'm like super dogmatic? Not at all. So sometimes you come to me and they're like, oh, there's not one way. There's like different ways. Well, the reality is that no, it has nothing to do with that, you guys. It has to do with the fact that I identify with the words and the Sanskrit. And quite frankly, if I can be 100% honest, I think it comes from past lives. But like you have a very good relationship with all this Eastern philosophy and ideas and concepts as well. Like you're very open to it and you identify with it. We don't have a problem with the word like Dharma. You know what I'm saying? But if somebody else want to call it life's mission, mission statement, Translate that to whatever resonates with your heart. Like, that is totally fine. But anyways, circling back, I feel like some people, it's not like that. Some people, they just have different things that they want to try. They're all good. And maybe they're like super committed. They've got the discipline. They've got the freedom. They've got the clarity of mind, body, spirit. They're freaking amazing, literally. But they're doing it a different way than Yogananda. No, well, or, that's everybody's choice. You know, I mean, or you know. Jimi Hendrix. Because we can also get caught up in this thing. Well, that is the cool thing to have a dharma. No, I don't necessarily think it's the cool thing, but I'm just kind of saying, like, it would be nice to have that. That's just me thinking about, you know, my experience. Yeah, but when I see you, when you wake up in the morning, you know what you're doing. Sometimes, like, much more than me, you're much more systematic. You have a morning routine, you have this, you're doing that and that. To me, that's a level of clarity that that's I'm habit. like, wow, that's habit. Yeah, I mean, it's just a habit now. But you are very good with like proceeding with your. Well, if I don't do that, then I feel really off. So it's kind of like morning a morning routine. To I don't want to say it's like a drug, but mm-hmm. it's definitely like a, something that I use to get centered. 
because if I don't like do these, sounds weird. It's not. If I don't empty the dishwasher, let the birds out, mm-hmm. feed the cats, feed the bird, pretty much all in that same order. It's something that I don't have to really think about. But things, they have to get done. And I don't really have to think about it. Yeah. I'm kind of half asleep when I'm kind of doing all that stuff. But you like to do that because like this people are going to think this is funny. But sometimes I get up and I'll do like some of your quote unquote things that you do in the morning. And you're like, stop. <laughs> That's my thing. Yeah, because I don't want to do your thing. I want to use my brain power, my bandwidth. You know, the mind only has mm-hmm. room for so much stuff. We only got so much bandwidth, right? And I want to have to go use some brain power to go do something else. It's not like second nature. It's not like walking or driving a car. You know, you don't have to think and walk anymore. When you learn how to walk, it was really hard. <laughs> you know, you're like, damn it, I'm never going to figure this out. I see these other giant humans. That's I'm funny. still crawling. Like, I got to figure this out. You had to work really hard in your brain. Like, stand up, use these legs. Or driving a car. I think about, like, driving a stick shift, a manual. Like, how oh, man, I got to figure out the rhythm of the clutch and the... No, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. Like these to-do lists and these things that we put down, or you have a board that you write things and stuff. It's what they say: with discipline, you find freedom. So maybe having those things, which I'm like that too. I actually really like that. If I think about my day the night before and I put everything down, or of course there's going to be things that come up and you do that. But if you put some things down that you pin it down and you know what's happening. It really frees your mind. It makes me like so much more organized and I feel more free actually. I started texting myself every morning. Today I've completed this, this, and this. It's like three to five things that need to get done. You have to complete or you've completed? I text myself in the past tense. I have completed. Oh, so you say I've accomplished this. Yeah. In the beginning of the day, even Mm -hmm. though you haven't accomplished it yet. Right. Interesting. I've never heard anybody say that. Why do you do that in the past tense? Because I'm telling my brain it's already done. And so does that make it easier? Well, it's kind of no, but I mean, I'll try tricks and stuff. I'll try the mushrooms. I'll try these little hacks. To clarify, to to when you're talking about mushrooms, we're not talking about psychedelics. Just to clarify. Cordyceps. Yeah. What are the other ones? Ashwagandha. I don't even know. And actually, we could tell them the source because people that are listening to this might want to know. What John's talking about, we started doing some, well, actually, not just started, like what, a year ago? It's the layer superfood mushrooms. Layer. From Larry yeah. Hamilton. Yeah, Larry Hamilton, the surfer, superfood mushrooms. I actually do my own thing and I mix it. I do like my own little elixir in the morning. Do you do yours with coffee? Well, I do coffee two or three days a week and then the other days it's just hot water. Oh, you mix it with hot water. Yeah, I do mine with hot water and I have a little blender, but I also have some other adaptogenics that I'm using in the morning. And I get those from Colin Houdon from Living Tea. And if you guys are interested, it's livingtea.net. I have different things that I'm using to be too much. And then I also have some from some potion, be too much to go into right now. But anyways, these really helps me in the morning and John drinks coffee. I really love coffee. I have nothing against coffee, but I'm a tea girl. I drink a lot of tea, mostly living teas from Global Tea Hut or from livingtea.net or globalteahot.org. So anyways, that was a plug-in for them. 
So for somebody, when you talk about the process, I have this question. For somebody that's listening to this and is thinking, because we talked about self-love, now I'm circling it all the way back. You said for you was a process. This is a very important question because you're a man. And I think it's very different from man and from women or from the masculine energy to the feminine energy, if we can want to remove this, how your sex organs, how you were born. But for us that are more on the feminine side, we're very intuitive. It's very easy to connect with that. We have a lot of support systems, especially nowadays, self-love and the yogis and the communities. And there's a lot of support for us, membership sites and all that. But for you guys, man, you were like not taught like that. It's kind of like when you were little in some cultures, I have no idea if this is what it is for you. I'm just saying, I've heard this before, that it's like boys don't cry. It's not okay to be emotional or whatever it is. So self-love has to do with being able to connect with that love. And you said for you was a process. So somebody is listening to this. And they're thinking, what are some tips that you have for me for that process? Whether it's woman or man, doesn't matter, feminine or masculine energy. Maybe I feel a little blocked. I can connect with my self-love. I'm having a hard time. What would be your advice to them? I would say uh, forgive yourself for all the things that you think you did wrong. Because nobody's perfect. Everybody's a human. Who wants to be perfect anyway, right? Then there's there's no excitement there. Usually, well, I can say that I think I've been my biggest critic. And I think that's probably true with a lot of people. That negative self-talk, that man, you really screwed up. How could you have hurt this person so bad? How could you have uh, made that bad decision or lost that money or yelled at your girlfriend or whatever it is? Maybe you were mean to your parents or whatever. And you got to be aware of of the negative self-talk, right? Usually... Something crazy, like 98, 95% of the thoughts that we think are habitual. They're repeated thoughts. So if you are constantly running yourself down, this is not going to be good for overall. You're not going to be able to love yourself if you're constantly telling yourself that you screwed up all the time. Yeah. And another thing is like, watch funny stuff. Laugh. That's why you love a lot of funny stuff. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I love comedy. Yeah. You love comedy. I love comedy. I love to laugh. (laughs) I love my friends that I get around with. Get around your friends who love you, right? And who you love. And whenever you get around them, it's just, you have a great time, right? No matter what happens. So that's super important. There's a book that I really love. Come on, Robin Khan. It's all about loving yourself. And he's a guy who's been through the ringer. He's just lays it all out. I think it's called Love Yourself. Like your life depends on it. You gave me that book. It's amazing. Kamal is amazing. Does he have his own podcast? Yeah. What's his name again? So people can check Kam- him out. Kamal Ravikant. And then, oh, yeah, just we'll be easy include. on yourself. And realize that it's, it, everything's yeah. going to be fine. Like, you can screw up, like, massively. And still, everything can still be fine. It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. And I'm going to add Kamal's information podcast on the show notes. So what is, like, something that you're really talking about nonviolence and love? What's something that you're really loving about what you're doing right now. I love the new addition to the tribe, the new turtle. Oh my God, that's a host. Talk about a himsa. Now that you've mentioned, what's his name? Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger, the turtle. Talk about a himsa 
That was a total love and kindness act, John. I don't think so. I think it would have been just a total asshole move to just leave him there. That too. (laughs) That's a different way to look at it. Yep, you're right. So you're driving back home and you see this turtle. You're leaving home and you see, and you have an appointment. No, I'm going to get one. Oh, yeah, but you were going to New Orleans. Okay, because I I knew you were going like, like you had to go somewhere. Because basically, I had to put him on a box and take care of it. And that was like in the middle of the day. I was not expecting that. But we did it, the whole thing. But anyways, you're leaving home. You see this turtle in the middle of a road. And you check it out. And it's a little hurt. It's got half of It's pretty much hurt. It's got a big chunk of the shell Mm -hmm, off. mm -hmm. Bleeding and oozing. Yeah. And then you pick it up. What crossed your mind at that point? Get his ass out of the road. Okay, but well, then I turned around. I passed him. I wasn't sure it was a turtle. And I turned around, and uh, yeah, sure enough, a little box turtle in the middle of this two-lane road. He made it, it as a miracle. He made it across the first lane. He was yeah. And this is a road that cars come. It's pretty intense. We see many, many animals crushed, which is so sad. Yep, lots of turtles, possums. People go way too fast. Way too fast. We have uh, deers crossing this road. Picked him up. He was covered in mud. and We didn't know how, how healthy it was or how didn't know the deal. And we took him to the vet the next day. Yeah. Vet. So, well, let me back up. So, he's gone. I'm working. We both work from home primarily, mostly. Some little bit away from the house as well. And so, John comes back and you're like, come check this out in the car. <laughs> and it was on the bottom where the feet are. Like, well, it had to be quick. Right, there was like exactly. people behind me and people coming. Yeah. He just put him in the car, and I go, oh, my God, it's a turtle. I love turtles, but I was also like, what's going on? Okay, so the shell is gone. I see the situation. He shows it to me. We're wondering, what's going on? Did this turtle maybe get hit by a car? We still don't know exactly what happened, or a raccoon got it. or. But I know you had to go. That was my point. So I had privates online on Zoom. But now I'm like dropping whatever I'm doing, saying, okay, go ahead and go do what you have to do because you got to go there and drive and get, you were getting wine at our, now I remember our friend's spot in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. and Quarantine special. Yeah, quarantine special. And then I say, okay, I'm going to get a box. So I get a box and I prep the box because I have actually worked at the zoo way back. And I also done some training with wildlife rehabilitation. So I got a box. I got everything last minute that I needed, put everything together, knew kind of what to do momentarily, but definitely very newbie with turtles, but had an idea of what to do and then did that. I didn't even know if the turtle was alive or dead because it wouldn't come out of its shell for a while. So I was freaked out by that. I was like, are you sure this being is alive? Well, he was alive. We could see him moving around a little bit. Well, I couldn't. When you were gone, he really didn't come out. But anyways, long story short, we got it really comfortable, but it wasn't moving. I didn't know if it was alive. We make an appointment with the vet. Next day, we go to the vet. After that, it's history. Since then, primarily you have been really devoted to this being, which is lots of kudos to you. I assist a little bit, but it's really John's turtle, and you have been so respectful to this life and to this individual and to this being. You've really learned how to 
take care of it and how to nourish it and how to feed it and and what it likes and what it doesn't. And I, I really admire that. It's really beautiful. That's a really big attestment for Ahimsa, nonviolence, and to really interspecies. We talk a lot about equality, equanimity on planet Earth, which I love, but it also, it can't be only for humans. It's got to be humans and animals and also all species because why is it important? The color of your skin, of course, nationalities, diversity. I lived in many countries. I believe in all that. Consider myself a global citizen. But what about the animals? I am no better than a pig. I'm no better than a lizard or a turtle. So this yeah. discrimination between species, I don't agree with. If you are going to be a believer of love and a believer of truth, then it's got to be for all. So it's not like, oh, I practice equanimity only for A, B, and C. I practice equality only for this being and that being. But everything else, screw it, because it's not in my book. So it's either you're in or you're out. Otherwise, to me, it seems very biased. But also, I shouldn't say bias. I should also, like you said, have a level of compassion. There's always going to be someone who's a little bit ahead of us in their soul evolution. I certainly have many people who are ahead of me that I look at them. Maybe they're people that are my expenders, like people that I think that they are, that I can expand my mind. And I look at them and I feel inspired by them that one day I want to strive to be like them. It's an inspiration. And I think that's really beautiful. I'm not talking about copying it. I'm talking about like inspiration. Mm-hmm. I think we all need that. But there's also people who are going to be behind us. And that's just a part of life. Everybody's in their own journey, their own soul evolution. Yeah, maybe not even behind or ahead. Like everybody's got to do their own thing. Exactly. But at the same time, I do have a level of compassion. Like, okay, do you do the best you can with what you have? And when you know better, do better, like Mm -hmm. Maya Angelou says. But at the same time, we do have to address the situation of like, don't think that equality is only for humans or equality is only if you're an American and within Americans. Like my case, Brazil, only within Brazilians. It's either equality or it's not. Well, everybody's got a right to be on this planet equally. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Yeah. I believe it's, it's the same for turtles, horses, dogs. You spoke so well. I get so emotional about these types of things that sometimes I don't communicate well. But I think it's because I get very emotional about it. But I'm also learning how to be cool about it and stay in my neutral ground and understand that everybody's in their own journey. It's a big part of my understanding because as a teacher, when you're a teacher and you're got this innate thing with you, you want to teach everybody. You feel like you want to teach, teach, teach. And it's coming from a good place, but sometimes you also need to know like how to back up. Just let people have their own experience, Mm -hmm. especially with family members. I want you to behave a certain way. I want you to know this. I want you to meditate. I want you to do this. I want you to do it. It's like, stop. But I've learned this a long time ago, a few years ago. Stop. Just don't do that. You really only have very little control over your world, right? So you have control over, if you look at the body, where your control ends is at the fingertips and the toes and the head, top of the head. That's it. Like, that's what you have control over. You can teach your heart out, Mm -hmm. right? You can lead a horse to water. You can't make him drink. Mm -hmm. You can have the greatest information in the world that's going to get your students to enlightenment tomorrow. 
I mean, it's so easy to like quarterback somebody else's life. Right. I tell you how to drive when I'm sitting in the driver's mm-hmm. in the All passenger the time. seat. It drives me nuts. You're the one behind the wheel. Yeah. People at Shanti Yoga Training School, my advice now is if you really want to be an inspiration for somebody, lead even by lead by example. Yep. I mean, that's the best you can do. Walk like, your talk. Somebody else is going to see, wow, this person's kicking ass, right? Maybe not even kicking ass in the traditional sense, but like they're really doing great. You can see their life. They're moving forward. They're smiling all the time. They're laughing. You're like, damn, I want that. Okay. Then you go talk to them and say, hey, what's going on? What shift have you made in the last year or something? And I said, well, I'm doing this, this, and this. I really started taking care of myself. I really thought out where I want my life to go and started chasing my dreams or gave this up, quit smoking, quit, whatever it is. Everything's going to be different for every person. John, I feel like this is a really good balance that you bring into my life. So thank you. I think that the energetic that you bring really helps me ground and process things on a different level and see different perspectives, which it's really wonderful to be able to respect each other's differences and yet see a lot of it similarly, but maybe from different lenses and how you approach certain life situations and things. It really helps me stay grounded. I feel like I'm more balanced through this process with you. So it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you. This is so much fun. And I hope all of you enjoyed our talk. I also wanted to mention and point out that we are simultaneously as we are recording this for Life on Earth podcast, we're also in a room for Clubhouse. And this is an app that Maybe what I'm going to do is as our community starts coming into Clubhouse more, and I don't know exactly, I know now you have to have an invitation, but I also got somebody that asked me if they could be on my wait list and I allowed them in today. I don't know exactly. I'm very new to Clubhouse, but I feel I'm going to be doing some podcasts on Clubhouse and recording them simultaneously. It's a really nice thing to do. So if you guys are on Clubhouse and you're listening to this, definitely add me and I will follow you as well. Anything else you would like to add? Nope. Don't run over turtles. (laughs) Yeah. If you see a turtle or you see, you know, a dog or a cat, or if you see a child being mistreated or really anything, a man or a woman or the planet, really. Pick up trash. Pick up trash. And in the name of Ahimsa, go out of your way and take action and really help assist whatever you want to call it, all those individuals. And I also want to say in the name of equality and Ahimsa, may we all respect each other's differences, backgrounds, religious backgrounds, belief systems, upbringing, nationalities, and let's really celebrate diversity. That's what it's all about. Namaste, you guys. Thank you, John. Namaste, everyone. Have a wonderful day wherever you are.